2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading at verse number 17 and terminate at verse number 21. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And watch this, this is beautiful. Then turned around and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed, there it is, then he turned around and committed to us, what? The word of reconciliation. Therefore, because he committed this word and this ministry to us, therefore, as a result, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. As though God was entreating through us, not as us, but through us. The Bible says, uh, as God was entreating uh, through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now here, here's the crown jewel. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. You may be seated. I want to talk about the gospel of reconciliation in the midst of crisis. The gospel of reconciliation in the midst of crisis. I, I want to begin with, with, with a bit of transparency and sharing with you my conflict. I have been in one of the most intense conflicts in my history as a person during this season. I do know that when injustice is in the world that it is sinful to turn a blind eye. There, there, we, we don't want as the church to become religious evasionists who, when it comes to the social ills, sit back and wait till the social ills pass and then resume our ministries and our message as if there was no context of social ills. That's one aspect. The other aspect is becoming a relativist to the point where you pursue uh, racism, nationalism, sexism in such a way that you leave the post of purpose to pursue forward with being emphatic upon the ills of a certain race or a certain nationality to the end of seeking some kind of appeasing justice for that particular group. So I'm in conflict between the two because the reality is there is there would be no conflict if we were just operating as black people. There would be no conflict if we were just operating as upset American citizens. But the reality is, 
something happened to us that redefined our citizenship. Uh, something happened to us. We submitted to something that pushed our race down a level and our relationship with God stepped in front of race. And this is the conflict. Because I know a lot of people died for the efforts that the NAACP is making. Uh, and I, I, I appreciate and love that it, it's, it's wonderful. There are people who died for the efforts that Black Lives Matter are making. But then I look at Jesus and I see in the word that Jesus died for the church. And he died for the church and he's coming back for the church. This is no disrespect, but, but he's not coming back for the NAACP. He's not coming back for Black Lives Matter. He's not coming back for Aryan Nation. He's not coming back for Democrats. He's not coming back for Republicans. And somewhere in our chemistry, in our brain chemistry, the devil has let out a rabbit. And it's my, my position that it should never be that the world moved forward and the church followed. Now, now, I'm not going to go through a list of what I'm not saying. I begin by saying it is a conflict. It is a conflict embedded in the very history of this nation we call the United States of America that claims itself to be a Christian nation. In 1892, the Pledge of Allegiance was established by Francis Bellamy. But it wasn't until 1954 that they added one nation under God. Now, 1892 to 1954, there were a lot of people, ha things happening with citizens in this nation. But it isn't until they got to 1954 that under God was implemented, suggesting that this is a Christian nation. However, under God has to now be qualified because under God isn't under God because we say it. It is under God by what God says under God is. And he died to establish another group born out of this world into the kingdom of God. Now, like I said, I'm going to be more didactic. I'm not going to sweat and foam. I'm not even going to be long. Uh, but I, I do want to go through this because I believe it's very important. I prayed and thought about it and prayed and thought about it. And, of course, I know I would risk people disagreeing, and I've never been afraid of that. God didn't construct me like that. He didn't put me together to where I changed my song because somebody's playing different music. God called us, called me, to be a gospel preacher. And sometimes there is a pressure with the people of God to go chasing other purposes because they seem noble and they are noble. But at the end of the day, you and I have to be okay with, God, with what God called us to be. And we're going to see in our text that God called us to demonstrate a good news, a good news, even in the midst of chaos, no matter what's going on. At the end of the day, yes, we can protest. And I'm not against protesting. We protest. But protests change systems. They, that the goal of it to ch is to change systems, to change legal systems, to change laws, to change legislation. That, that's the goal of protesting. But the message we have changes people. And systems changing will not affect lasting change if people 
are still the same. And so, I come to present to you the gospel of reconciliation. The good news of a thing called reconciliation. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation is simply this. It is the restoration, and if you're at home and you're writing notes and you're taking notes, write this down. It is the restoration uh, of a civil or a friendly or an amicable relationship uh, and a peace where there had been hostility or animosity. It is the restoration of that relationship. But the biblical reconciliation is not the restoration of a relationship by any means necessary. It is the, the restoration of a friendly, non-hostile relationship by way of the removal of the thing that caused the rift in the relationship to begin with, okay? By way of the removal of the offense, the removal of the cause, uh, whatever disrupted the peace and harmony, reconciliation is the restoring of that friendship by way of the removal of what caused the friendship or the relationship to be broken. As a matter of fact, I think everybody watching and those of you here know that you really can't have true reconciliation if the thing that caused the rift remains. Reconciliation will not be lasting. It will not be real. Let's just take a husband and a wife. If there's a problem between the husband and the wife causing this, this, this aggravating uh, dynamic in their relationship, this frustration, this hostility, this even animosity, talks of reconciliation cannot come to pass in full reality unless whatever is in the middle of that relationship causing it to be strained, causing it to be hostile, is removed. And reconciliation based on the Bible's definition is the restoring of a friendly relationship with God by way of whatever it is that caused that relationship to be strained being removed. Are you understanding this? It is impossible to have rec uh, reconciliation in that regard than without repentance. People want reconciliation, but they don't want repentance. They don't want to change anything. Watch this. Even in this age, with all that's going on, we can have kumbaya moments. We can walk hand in hand, black and white and Hispanic and Asian. But if whatever it is is still there, if someone doesn't change, Reconciliation will only be surfacely manufactured but not deeply convicted. And because of that, because of that, there's a distance. There's a distance. There's a, the word alienation means there's a distance. Uh, right now, we're in this COVID crisis. And, 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 and the thing about COVID that's so unique is it's so highly contagious. It is highly contagious to the point to where if a person has COVID, guess what? That means whoever's close to them has to back away. They have to be quarantined. And, and, and watch this. This is just medically and physically. That means I can't even come close to you because there's something you have that I have to stay away from. And in order for us to be able to be close and within proximity again, that virus has to to die and in order for us to be close to God there's a virus worse than COVID that thing that put the separation between us and God cannot remain it has to die and we're going to see how it did let's look in the text let's begin by talking about the idea of when reconciliation what caused it what caused the need of it when did it when did that rift begin and let's go we're going to go to Genesis we're going to come to this text and we're going to end with this text but we need to go to Genesis chapter 3 and I'm going to paraphrase a lot just for the sake of time and I hope and trust that those of you who are here and those of you who are watching are, are connecting to this as again this is uh, this is more didactic than it is homiletical because at the end of the day I'm not looking for an amen we're looking for the word my job is to preach the word to where it sinks 
in. It sinks in us so that we get it, so that we don't lose our pulse, so that we don't lose our mind, so that we don't start marching to the beat of a different drum other than the drum of God. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, we see where the rift happened, okay? Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 8, after Adam and Eve sinned, what does the Bible say in verse number 8 of Genesis chapter 3? And we hope the reader's microphones are up so that everybody can learn together online, virtually, and in reality. The Bible says what? They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This is Adam and Eve after they sinned. Sin was the rift. The Bible says they took the tree that God told them not to. Here is the rift. Here is the thing that caused this alienation. So much so that the God who they usually fellowship with, they couldn't have fellowship with. As a matter of fact, they did not want to have fellowship. Now watch the rift. The rift was with man. God didn't sin, man sinned. The problem was with man. The thing that the person that messed up the relationship was man and his decision to disobey God and to sin. The nature of God is, uh, is, is antagonistic towards sin. So the first thing that happens in Genesis, thank you, in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says what? They what? They heard the sound of the Lord God walking the in the garden. Heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, read. In the cool of the day. In the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves. The from, man and his wife did what? Hid themselves. Hid themselves. From the presence of the Lord God. Here it is. Here's the rift. They hide from the presence of the God. I've learned, now watch this. This is the result of the rift. The result of the rift of sin brought guilt. And I've learned that when somebody feels guilty, they don't want to be in your presence. That's the human nature. It is, where did we learn this? We got this in the garden to where a guilty conscience does not want to be in the presence of the one they offended. That's how you get people who evade you and act funny and act different and, 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 and do this. This is how you have a husband that can't look his wife in the eye or a wife can't, that can't look. Children that don't want to be around when, when mom and dad, before all of this, come to pick them up from school because the guilt and the shame drives this wedge because of offense. And you don't want to be in the presence of the one you offended. As a matter of fact, this is a good rule of thumb. If you want to know where somebody really stands with you, notice their behavior. Because you can't stand guilt, can't stand before innocence boldly. And if it can, eventually it will be exposed. And so what you have here is you have Adam here who is running from the presence of God because of this rift in the relationship. What is the rift? Sin. Hear me, people of God. The rift is sin. Now, there are different genres of sin. But the bottom line to it is that it's sin. We might call it racism. Racism is a genre of sin. Do you see how, how we get smoke screened and we start, we, we get extra sensitive for certain things? Watch this. We're sensitive against certain things, especially when they're personal. But at the end of the day, the thing that puts a rift between us and God is sin. That's racism, prejudice, fornication, adultery, envy, strife. All of it puts a rift. We have a tendency to focus on a genre of sin. The genre of sin that we're most sensitive to, which causes and triggers a thing called unrighteous indignation where my problem is not that wrong was done, but that wrong was done to me. The average person who enjoys the company of a gossiper has no problem chuckling and snickering and whispering and laughing at what the gossiper is communicating to them about somebody else, but suddenly protests gossiping when the same gossiper that they indulged with turns and makes them the subject of their gossip. Unrighteous indignation. And that gonna make me popular, but it can't be refuted. It is the human nature. And so here it is, sin was the rift. Now what did it mess up? It 
first messed up God's man's vertical relationship. But when the floodgates of sin opened, it didn't just mess up the vertical relationship between man and God. It started messing up horizontal relationships. As a matter of fact, when God called them to the table, the Bible says, Adam, what have you done? Go ahead and read. Then he called, then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Read. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Read. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were naked? Read. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not Did to eat? Did you eat from the tree? Did you sin? Did you transgress my law? God wasn't asking for information. He knew it. But watch this. And the man said, now there's already, uh, there's already a rift here. There's already something broken here. But look what happens here. The man says what? The woman. The woman. <laughs> the woman. So now there is broken relationship here. And now there's a rift here. The woman you gave to me, she gave me from the tree. She made me eat. She gave it to me. You made me eat from the tree. And what, what does the Bible say? And I ate. And I ate. Do you see this? So watch this. There can be no this kind of reconciliation unless there's this kind of reconciliation. Because it was the breaking of this that triggered off the breaking of this. And watch this, the world wants this without this. Don't miss it. The best thing the world, the unredeemed, the unregenerate can do is seek for this, but without this. Which means because this is separated from this, this will only have a repeated sequence of the same offenses. That's why this is not the first protest. That's why this is not the first series of prejudice. This is not the first series of police brutality because unredeemed this can only be changed by redeemed this. Unredeemed horizontal cannot be changed unless there is some redeemed vertical. So what else? Let me show you what else was messed up. Adam and Eve does this, Adam does this, now there's a rift. Genesis chapter 4, there's a rift with man and man, brother and brother. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, you don't have to read it, I'm just going to go over it. Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that Cain and Abel steps on the scene. Cain basically watches Abel give his, give his sacrifice and Cain becomes jealous. He becomes jealous and envious of the sacrifice to the point where he kills his brother. Do you see the formation of it? Broken relationships. Where did all broken relationships start from? It started from man's broken relationship with God. And guess what? What was the cause of that broken relationship? Sin. We can list any genre of it, but at the bare bones of it all, it is sin. And kingdom people, know to call it what it is. We can decorate it with the garbs of white versus black. We can decorate it with the garbs of police brutality, but at the end of the day, God is disgusted not with sin by genre, but sin by existence. So, so here, so now we have, we have man's relationship with God. Man, it's, 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 it's fractured, it's, it's broken. Man's relationship with one another starts to crack. And not only that, but because God connected uh, heaven, humanity, and, and nature all together, man's relationship with nature got messed up. Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that God told Adam, Adam, because you did this, cursed is the ground because of you. Now nature is in a bad, there is relational chaos. And that's what we see today. We see relational chaos. Watch this. You can say racial chaos, but at the end of the day, that's just the genre. It is relational chaos because of sin. 
Now the ground is cursed. Ground for the first time in history will produce defensive agriculture. Defensive agriculture being thorns and thistles. That's what thorns are. They're agriculture. It's what the ground grows. It's what shows up in agriculture to defend itself. Then you have the chaos of creation where animals become carnivorous. Omnivores start looking over and wanting meat. The herb of the field was not enough. And all of creation and all of humanity and all relationships and all of this was disturbed, disrupted, and messed up because of sin. It's not popular to preach sin to a world that has commonized it. That's why saints and kingdom people, even the sin you're guilty of, you don't stop preaching against it because the reality is God did not send the cure for a genre of sin. He sends the cure for all sin. So what, 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 what now happens? Now what happens? Now what's broken? What relationships are broken? God's God and man, man and man, man and creation. So look at what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. And I want you to see something here. That reconciliation, though man is the primary recipient, man is not the only recipient, right? The Bible says what? Colossians 1 and what? 19. For it pleased the Father. It pleased the Father. That in him. That in who? In him. Talking about in Jesus. Read. Should all fullness dwell. Shall all fullness dwell. So what God did is he poured all of God in Jesus. Mm -hmm. He put all, God, Jesus contains all of God. Now watch this. Read. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile. To reconcile what? All things unto himself. Man. No, not just man. All things. Mm -hmm. All things. Hear this. Be educated in here. Don't be bored with education. He reconciled all things. Read. Unto himself. Unto himself. By him. By him. I say, uh -huh. whether they be things in What earth, does all things include? Whether they be things in heaven, on earth, mm -hmm. read. Are things in heaven. Uh-huh. And you. Uh-huh. That were sometimes alienated. Uh-huh. And enemies in your So watch mind. this. It wasn't that God sent Jesus to reconcile just man. But in reconciling man to God, everything else, the relationship between everything else, Jesus seeks to reconcile. Mm -hmm. Do you understand why there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? Mm -hmm. Do you see that now? Why? Because everything's relationship is out of whack. Roses didn't come with thorns. Are you seeing what I'm saying? There was no lions, tigers, and bears versus lambs, wildebeest, and deer. But everything got off, off track. And when, God when, when Jesus reconciles man to God, he's going to reconcile all things. All things, the relationship between everything. Everything, because the relationships are tied together. And you know how relationships are tied together? There are, there are big families in this church. Mm -hmm. So much so that you offend one member of that family. You just offended a whole network. Amen. Let's be real up in here. Let's be here real. You know, those of you who are watching, you know how it is. Most, there are a lot of churches out there. Some of you in churches right now with big families in them. There are people tiptoeing around saying certain things and tiptoeing about doing anything because you don't want to offend one person in that family. You offend one brown, you offended the whole brown clan. You offend, you offend Brother Johnson, now you got the whole Johnson family against you because relationships are webbed and connected. Yes. 
and the relationship between God and man and man and man and man and creation are, are all webbed and connected. Now let's go, let's go, let's go. And if you need more scripture for that, read Romans chapter 8, verse 20 through 22, and you'll see that creation is moaning and groaning, waiting for the redemption of the sons of God, the revelation of the sons of God, because all things crack relationally. And reconciliation is the core of the gospel message. It is the crown jewel of it. In other words, Jesus' purpose was to restore a relationship, the relationship between God and man, but not by any means, but by means of removing what strained the relationship. And what strained the relationship? Sin. Thank you. That was a real-life question, real-life test, and... Uh, only two of you took it. So what strained the relationship? Sin. Sin. Thank you. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. Second Corinthians chapter, and we're going to read it, and we're just about done. We're just about done. Now we laid that, laid that foundation. The Bible says, first of all, uh, Paul, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he basically, uh, in verse number 16, he says, you know, because of what God did, because of Christ dying for all and rising again, uh, therefore, from now on, no, we recognize no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, I know there are people who really want to be on the ethnic tip and be ethnocentric. Now, you can't be ethnocentric and Christocentric at the same time. There's only one center. You can't be ethnocentric and Christocentric. I can't, I'm not saying you can't be ethnocentric. I'm just saying you can't be two centrics at the same time. You're going to operate from whatever your centricity truly is. And those of us who are born again are supposed to be Christocentric, meaning the center of all our lives is Jesus. We sing it in our doxology. Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Jesus is the center of my life. We say it at funerals, giving honor to God, to, who is the head of my life. We have this central Christocentric disposition, and we cannot abandon it to be centered by something else. Am I saying don't have black pride? I'm not saying that. I'm happy to be a black man, but more than that, I'm happy to be a child of God. The reason why I'm happy to be a child of God more than being happy to be a black man is because there are certain opportunities that black men can't get. But as a child of God, God gives me the opportunity and the one who's controlling every opportunity, every blessing, every good and perfect gift comes from him. And so it's better. I'm, all, I'm happy to be a child of God. Am I, am I frustrated with injustice? I am. But at the end of the day, I have been born all over again. I'm a Christian and my skin is dark. Those are realities, but they, they are not conflicting realities. And whatever reality you operate from will be the reality that you will reap. You can't sow to the flesh and reap to the spirit. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Not popular, not popular. But I ain't trying to be, I ain't never be. You never position yourself to become tenderized by the Lord's and praises of people because it's sifty and shifty just like the weather. You better stand on God's word even if you have to stand alone. People of God watching, don't give up what God says over emotional frustration. It is frustrating. It isn't right. Injustice is wrong, but it's been around as long as sin has been around. It was the first act of injustice covered Adam and Eve. And those animal skins were given to them. Yes, it's angering, it's frustrating. But remember whose we are. Now watch this. The Bible says here, it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So Paul lays the premise that if you're in Christ, old things are passed away and all things are become new. Now that is, now watch this. Is he talking practically? He's first of all talking principally. He's spiritually. He's second of all talking principally. And third of all, he's talking practically. In other words, in heaven, 
based on God's assessment, based on God's appraisal. When you are in Christ, you are a new creature. If you would now watch this. If you would have asked cousin, he might not say so. If you would have asked boss, he may not say so. If you would have asked friends, they may not say so. If you would have asked a white man or a Hispanic man or a black man, they may not say so. But if you ask God, based on what God says, he says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. So watch this. Spiritually, he is. By what God declares. Principally, he is. Why is he in principle? Because that newness means he is no longer governing himself to the principles and precepts of what he came out of. So watch this. When we hear children of God lower their moral standards to what the law allows as opposed to what the Lord says, that's operating on former principles and precepts. The law says... It's okay to do some things that the Lord tells us not to do. And whenever the child of God starts seeking to fulfill and meet the requirements and precepts and principles of the law to evade doing what the Lord says, here, here's, here, 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 here's the deal, here's the deal. The, the, the Lord, the law says if somebody, if somebody, if somebody comes on your property, and, 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 and you feel threatened by them, the law says you can kill them. That's what the law says. That's what the law of the land says. But the Lord says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So in your protectiveness, you, somebody comes on your property, you feel threatened, you shoot them. You shoot them once, you cripple them. The law says you can kill them. The law says you can kill them. Castle law. It's castle law. West side. But whenever Christians start leaning more on the law's allowance as opposed to the Lord's precepts, we are operating in old creature principle. The law gives me a lot of rights. But if you've been born again, you are not just governed by the law, you are governed by a higher authority. And we understand that when we're the objects of, of the pain. The law says that if a police officer fears for his life, he can use lethal force. That's what the law says. Do you see why the world will never meet the principles of the kingdom? Because the world looks for law to endorse forward movement on anything. But the Lord gives principles that just don't linger in the hands. They linger in the heart. So watch this. So we're talking about the new creation. New creation. And those, of God, those watching, now, you know, I can really tell when a person wants to lean to something because they look for loopholes in the scripture. Like taxes. When somebody really don't want to pay their taxes, they look for loopholes. And believe it or not, there are people in the kingdom who look for loopholes in scripture to not have to be confined to what God says. But at the end of the day, God is not judging us based on the law of the land. We all will have to stand before the judgment seat of God, and he's not judging your deeds, he's judging, first, he's judging your heart. So watch this, watch this, watch this. And I'm almost done, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. Somebody says, preacher, you sabotaging yourself. No, God got me. And God got you, kingdom folk, folk watching, all 143 of you watching. God has you. Don't dismiss God, because at the end of the day, he's in control of it all. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. The Bible says, now all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. How did you do it? You reconciled us to you through Christ. Now, the only way reconciliation, based on what we've already learned, can happen is there has to be the removal of whatever it is called that caused the, 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 the fracture in the relationship. What was it that caused the fracture in the relationship between God and man? It was sin. 
So the purpose of sending Jesus was to die for sin so that that fracture can be removed so that through Christ we can be close to God. Okay? Now watch this. And we're going we're gonna to learn, we're going to see that at the very last verse. The Bible says that he reconciled us to himself and then turned around and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You want to know what the purpose of the church is? Not only to protest. Hear what I'm saying. Because some of you will hear that I'm saying don't protest. That's not what I'm saying. That is not the end all and be all. The difference between the purpose of the church and the actions of the world is destiny. The destiny of the world is to get legislation changed. The destiny of the church is to bring all men, women, boys, and girls back into a right relationship, not with law enforcement, not with government, not with society, not with economics, but with God. You don't have to say amen. Your protest, <laughs> your boycott of an amen, so let it be affirmation will never change what God says. We can boycott many things, but the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But I read somewhere where Jesus says my words will never pass away. Now watch this. So what is the ministry of reconciliation? The fact that our job is to do with others what God did with us, to call them into reconciliation. That's what the ministry of reconciliation is. And he explains it in verse 19. He says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Watch this. That was, that was reconciliation. God was in Christ bringing the world back to himself. How does it work with us? Christ is in us bringing the world back to himself. God was in Christ, bringing the world back to himself. Christ in us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And our job is to bring the world back to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Not counting their trespasses. I'm going to expedite this. Verse 20, he says, therefore we're ambassadors. What is the church? We can be activists. But the narrative that the Holy Spirit gives is that we're ambassadors. Again, I'm not saying don't be activists. And I'm saying this so that if you misunderstand me, it'll be because you wanted to. It'll be because you wanted to misunderstand. I'm not saying don't be an activist. What I'm saying is the purpose of the kingdom is that we are ambassadors. Yes, be frustrated, be upset with a holy indignation. But at the end of the day, when legislation changes and when this dies down, our work is not done. And I thank God for this because what this showed, watch this, God gave us a microcosm of how it all works. Here it is, George Floyd. Hear me now, hear me now. And we, and, and we want to leave this on social media. We want to leave this on social media. Hear me now. George Floyd, his life was taken. Really baffled me, really baffled me because there are so many other people, uh, Botham John and, 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 and other people all over the place, victims of, of injustice, victims of police brutality, victims of, of, of senseless killing by, by law enforcement. But, but yet this, this, this one particular case not the case before it, not Botham John, no, 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 triggered this one George Floyd situation, this George Floyd injustice, him dying, his, him being in a position where his life was taken, brought all kinds of people together. I mean, I have never in my lifetime saw protests that were so diverse ethnically. Black people and white people and Hispanic people and Asian people and it even bled over into other countries and nations. 
Don't get it twisted. That was just a microcosm. Long before George Floyd, whose life was taken, there was a life given. And that life given would be the cause of bringing black and white and Hispanic and Asian and rich and poor and bond and free and male or female all together in one body to commemorate him. So when you say or when you hear what's his name, yes, in this situation, say George Floyd. But when it comes to there being one in Christ Jesus, when you hear what's his name, we ought to just with the same intensity say Jesus. But let not the text be that the world angrily uh, pursued it and the church followed. That's a sad commentary. Well, how does this all happen? And I'm done. The last verse of that chapter. Remember the rift is sin. Whether it be selfishness, whether it be racism, whether it be prejudice, what did God do? What did God do to fix and reconcile? He who knew no sin was made sin. Watch what, watch this. Is that what your Bible says? Read. He who made him who knew no sin made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Became sin on our behalf. Read. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is what God did to reconcile. He says, we can't get together. Number one, it's, you don't have what it takes to fix this. There, 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 there are... Uh, um, there are um, two words for reconciliation. One is dialasso, and the other is katalasso. Now, now dialasso is, is an obscure word. You only see it in Matthew chapter 5, uh, in verse, around verse number 24. That if you go to sacrifice at the altar, and there at the altar, realize you, you, your brother has all against you, Leave your sacrifice and go, dear Colosso, dear Lasso, uh, dear Lasso with him. Dear Lasso is different than Catalasso. Catalasso, the essential difference is dear Lasso is a reciprocal thing. It's let's make this work, let's reconcile this. Catalasso is more having to do with one person's effort. <laughs> there could not be any less with us. And the reason why there could not be any dialasso with us is because while we were yet sinners, it is not a man that walketh to direct his own son. We didn't have the capacity to fix the relationship. So there was no dialasso. So what God said is he's dukatalasso, reconciling. God says, I'll do it. I'll send Jesus to do it because you can't do it. And in the Old Testament, you did it and it was temporary. How did you do it? Hebrews 9, 22, you did it through blood. For without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. So you offered up a bull, a goat, and a, a heifer, and you did it. But it was only temporary. So what I got to do is I got to do it for you. Watch this. This is what makes it beautiful. I've got to be the one to do it even though it was your fault. So he made him who knew no sin. To become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Pardon me for being a little lengthy, 
But I wanted to address this once and for all. Once and for all. There's so many other things to talk about. Uh, we're not going to rehearse even COVID-19 over and over. We got to be on our mission. And at the end of the day, come back. Come back. I know we got blood drunk. And now we want to be Christian social activists. That's good. But if you're not bringing anybody back through the ministry of reconciliation, you are operating off of the former life principle. It's not just about changing legislation. And I know I'm losing, I, I'll lose an audience, but I'll tell you something, I'll add to it before I take away from it. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. That's what the Bible says. So yeah, be, go, act, go protest, great. I protested, I stood in front of City Hall and prayed with a whole bunch of pastors and leaders and civic leaders and city leaders and spokes here and there. But at the end of the day, if we change the legislation but not hearts, we just send, we send sin deeper underground. Because no amount of protest, though it may change behavior, no amount of protest can change a heart. Only Jesus can. And if you have questions, if you have prayer requests, please put those prayer requests down. If you want to be saved today and be a new creature, there's a way to do it. You submit to the gospel. Believe that he died, he was buried, and he rose again for your sins. That was the sacrifice. That's what God is doing. I'm sending this because I want us to be okay again. I want us to walk hand in hand again. I want us to be like we were in the garden. And if you would be willing to repent of your sins, to turn away from your sins, to, to operate in the absence of the thing that put the rift between you and God and confess your sins and confess that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again, you can be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you're here and you heard something that convicted you and, you, and, 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 and you, you're, you're becoming more sober-minded and you know you kind of left, you lost it for a little bit, that's all right. Come on back and get back to being an ambassador of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation. We're reconciliating, we're reconciling people to Christ. We're not reconciling people to blackness because it's okay that I'm black and it's okay if you're not and it's okay if he's not and she's not. At the end of the day, when God sent, when Christ comes again, what won't be okay is if you're not in him. That's what won't be okay. God bless you and keep you.